Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Stuart Mazell. I'm the lead pastor here. It's great to see all of you here. Thank you for those of you who are joining us for the first time. Thanks for being here. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, worshiping with us today. Well, we finished our series on the truth about truth. Next week, we are starting a new series called Life Together, and uh, we'll be going through the last week of July through August in that series. Uh, but in between, we're doing this past, these two passages of Scripture, one from Isaiah, one from Romans, uh, to help us to think about what we as a church are being called to do. And one of the reasons why we're bringing uh, banks on to help us to grow in that area. So if you have a Bible and you would like to follow along in that, that's fine. If not, we're going to have the passages on the screens. Our first passage is from Isaiah chapter 52, verses 7 through 10. And this is what God's Word says. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. And then from Romans chapter 10, I don't normally do this, but we're beginning in the middle of a sentence. Verse 9, because... If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. 
Thank you for the goodness that we find there, the truth that we find there. Thank you that when you send your word out, it's not in vain. It accomplishes what you send it out to do. And so today, accomplish in this, your church, what you want in, in this group of people. That we all would grow in our love of the good news, our love of Jesus, and that we would want to spread the good news of Jesus to others. And that we would be a church that grows in that area. Help us, uh, we pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. One of the things I really like to do when we go to new cities as a family is I like to go to art museums. I don't know if you like to go to art museums, but pretty much everywhere we go, we always plan on going to an, an art museum somewhere. And sometimes those art museums have very special exhibits, you know, like the masterpieces of Van Gogh, or the art of ancient Egypt, or some of, you know, something along those lines. But you know one thing that I've never seen in an art museum, an exhibit specially dedicated to this subject? Feet. I've never gone to an art museum and seen an exhibition for feet. And it's not because there aren't artwork. There, there is artwork about feet. For example, did you know Michelangelo drew a picture of a foot? We have that picture. There you go. Look at it. Or there's another one by Leonardo da Vinci, another drawing of a foot. Then there's this one by Pablo Picasso, a painting of feet on newspaper. And then there's this one by Salvador Dali, a foot. I'm surprised there aren't melting clocks on it, but it's still a foot. And then there's these special ones like Henry Moore, Feet on Holiday, or Mario Manke, these giant statues of feet. And even if there wasn't all of that, you could have someone say, look at these special, <laughs> these special, sorry, I can't look at it without laughing. <laughs> um, <laughs> If you were to say, what's a famous painting? And let's take a look at just the foot of someone in that painting. This is the famous painting, The Birth of Venus by Botticelli, and that's a close-up of one of the feet. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah, that's one thing, that's one reason why I believe they do not have exhibits about feet. Because very few people think that feet are beautiful. Very few people would like to go to an art museum and see those pictures displayed. We typically don't think about feet being anything but something we want to hide. Right? And even if we do show them off, we make sure we get a pedicure, we make sure those nails are painted, get those little, you know, scrubby parts off. I don't know what they're called. 
feet things that look gross and you have to scrub them off. You know what I'm talking about. We have, we, nobody that I know of, and I'm sure there are people, but nobody that I know of thinks feet, feet are really beautiful. Especially my feet. My feet are nasty. I would never want to show you my feet. That's why I didn't put those up there. But today, from the passages that we see, the scriptures are actually calling us to have beautiful feet. Isn't that weird? In fact, what we see from these passages is that the church needs people with beautiful feet. The church needs people with beautiful feet. That is, people who proclaim the good news of Jesus to others. It's not really about how your feet look, whether you've had a pedicure or not, whether you've got your toes painted or not, whether you have a toe ring or not. It's about the fact that you're doing something with your feet. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We see this from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Now, I want to help us with the context of where this passage is. But in order to get there, I want to tell you to imagine something. You know how Russia has been invading Ukraine? Everybody knows that. What if Russia decided to invade South Carolina? I know of all the places they could invade, South Carolina would probably not be top on their list, but what if they did? And what if they got the upper hand? And what if they wiped Sumter off the map, destroyed everything, and then took all of us captive back to Moscow? And we're there for year after year after year. No one to bring us back home. Imagine how that feels. Imagine what that would be like. And then add to that that you know for certain that this wasn't just something that happened. This was something that came about because God brought judgment on us because of our sin. Because we had broken His covenant. Because we had gone astray from His ways and he had been merciful and merciful and merciful, and then he was like, you know what? I'm bringing this other nation in to teach you a lesson. And now here we are in another country, surrounded by foreigners, surrounded by a culture that we really don't understand, and we can't get home. That's what was happening with Judah. When the Babylonians came in and they took, they destroyed everything, even the temple. And they, they took the people out of their own land and brought them back to Babylon. That's what was happening. But then Isaiah says, as, as the Holy Spirit led him to prophesy about what was going to happen in the future, he predicted something wonderful. 
while you will be languishing in exile, while you will be in captivity, while you are um, just being surrounded by foreigners, you're going to look across the field and you're going to look at the mountains in the distance and you're going to see someone running, running as fast as they can to tell you some good news. The good news that God is bringing about restoration for you. That God is saying your captivity is ended and you're going home. That's the context of what this passage is talking about. And then in Romans 10, Paul picks up the same theme and applies it not to the exile from a nation, but our exile from God. That we all have sinned. We've all fallen short of His glory. We've all been exiled out of the promised land, out of Eden, out of where we belong. We were created to be in God's presence forever, and yet God has said, your sin keeps you from me. But now here's the good news. Romans 10, 15, as it is written, now beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And what is that good news that Paul is addressing in Romans 10? I'm going to say something that for some of you it's going to be a surprise. But at the heart of this good news is the reign of Jesus as Lord. That's at the heart of what this message is about, this good news. It's not just about your sins are forgiven. Yeah, that's part of it. It's not just a part of you're going home. Yeah, that's part of it. But at the heart of this good news that God has for his people is the reign of Jesus as Lord. Take a look at these passages one more time and see how that plays out. In Isaiah 52, verse 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. And what is this good news? The person who publishes peace. He's bringing good news of happiness. He's bringing good news of salvation. And he's saying to God's people, your God reigns. Your God reigns. That is at the heart of this good news. Our God reigns. And how do we see this reign? Who is the one who we call Lord? Romans tells us, verse 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, saved from your sins. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And then in verse 12 we read, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all. The Lord who is your Lord is not just your Lord, He is Lord of all. Bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. Now, God has done a work in my life, all right? So years ago, I would have dealt with this situation a little differently. And hopefully this is part of my sanctifying, the process of, sancti- of changing me to make me more, a little more like Jesus, that I'm not as uh, 
persnickety as I used to be. So I don't want to quarrel over words. I really don't. And, and I don't want to negate what my friends and brothers and sisters in other places are doing when they proclaim the good news of Jesus. But if we leave out the lordship of Christ, we're missing something. We're missing something. And not only that, when people say, and this is where I'm trying not to be persnickety, I really am, but when people say, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I get what they're saying. That's not the language of Scripture. None of us make Lord of, Jesus Lord of anything. Jesus is Lord. Whether we believe it or not, whether we submit to him or not, Jesus is Lord. And that's the good news that we bring to the whole world. Jesus is Lord. Believe that. And believe that that means good things for you if you say, I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want to submit to him as Lord. I want to come under his lordship. I don't want to fight. I don't want to rebel. I want to be a part of Jesus' kingdom because he's king. He's Lord. That's what the good news is about. Jesus is Lord whether we recognize it or not, whether we submit to it or not. So don't tell someone to make Jesus Lord. Tell someone Jesus is Lord. Are you going to believe that or not? And that's what this passage is saying. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. Now you may be thinking, well, wait a second, Stuart. How is Jesus being Lord good news for us? You just said that we all fall short, we all sin. Seems like Jesus would come and want to like wipe the sinners out. It seems like Jesus would be the one who, if He's Lord, then, and if I'm not obeying Him perfectly, then, you know, that spells bad news for me. Here's one of the reasons why it's good news for those who recognize Jesus' lordship and say, I want to come under his lordship. The Lord, don't miss this, the Lord who died and rose from the dead is abundantly able to bring salvation to all who call on him. You say that again. The Lord who died and who rose from the dead is abundantly able to bring salvation to all, all who call on him. As Romans 10 verses 11 through 13 say, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Everyone. You know why? Because he's Lord. And he's Lord of all. And because he's Lord of all, he is the sovereign. He is the powerful. He is the king. Who He is the one who makes the decrees. He is the one who says, this is how it's going to go in my kingdom. And if he says you're in, you're in. Right? And so, for the scripture to say, 
everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. If you trust in Jesus, if you say, Jesus, I know that You're Lord. I know that You were raised from the dead. I want You to save me. He is able to save. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all. And He bestows His riches on all who call on Him. Not not just one little thing. Not just, oh, you know, Jesus, I know I messed up uh, last week and I messed up yesterday, but you probably don't have enough riches of grace for me today. He bestows His riches on all who call on Him. The riches of His grace, the riches of His power, the riches of His goodness, the riches of His righteousness, the riches that He has in store for us that no eye has seen, no mind has conceived, no ear has even heard what He has in store for us. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is our Jesus who is Lord, and He says, I bestow my riches on all who call on Me. And then He goes on in verse 13 to say, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone? Everyone? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord? How can that be? What about those people who murder others? Can they call on the name of the Lord and be saved? What about those who persecute God's people? who chase after them and rip them out of their houses and send them to jail because they say, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I'm going to put you in jail. I'm going to persecute you. What about people like that? What about people who think that they're all that and a bag of chips? And they just think that they're better than everybody. Can that person really be saved if they call upon the name of the Lord? I just described Paul the Apostle who wrote this letter. That was what he was like before he met Jesus. So yeah, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, who says, Jesus, I really need you. Save me. Jesus does not turn that person away. And he is so, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is from the book of Hebrews. And it reminds me that Jesus is not only willing to save, he is able, he is powerful to save. Listen to this passage from Hebrews that really corresponds with what we're talking about. Chapter 7, verses 23 through 25. He's talking about the former priesthood. And he says, the former priests, the Levitical priests, they were many in number. There are lots of them. Because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. In other words, you get a high priest, and he's supposed to make sacrifices for sins, and one day he just dies. And then you've got to have another one. And then he dies. And then you've got to have another one. And on and on and on it goes. But Jesus holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. See, he's already died, but he rose from the dead never to die again. And because of that, consequently, verse 25, he is able to save to the uttermost 
those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Folks, no matter how deep your sin goes, no matter how deep your neighbor's sin goes, no matter how deep anyone's sin goes, Jesus' grace, Jesus' forgiveness, Jesus' mercy, Jesus' love can go deeper and wider and broader and higher. There is no way we can get to the end of what Jesus' love for us is like. The love that would leave heaven, that would become flesh, that would share with us his own righteousness, that would die in our place and rise from the dead, ascend into heaven and make intercession for us minute by minute in heaven itself so that we would be saved to the uttermost. That's the good news. And it wouldn't happen if Jesus wasn't Lord. It wouldn't. That's why we need a Jesus who is not just the Savior, but the Lord of all. The powerful King who can accomplish what He sets out to do. And all that leads us to this point. Church, that's good news for us. But we're not the only ones who need to hear. We're not the only ones. And a significant part of the mission of the church is to make sure people hear this good news. It's not the only thing we do as a church, but it is a significant part of what we are called to be, to have the beautiful feet that Go out and tell people the good news. Listen to the way Paul puts it in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and following. He says, how then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? If you don't believe someone, how are you going to call on them? And then he says, and how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? How is someone going to believe that Jesus rose from the dead if they don't know that? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? If someone's got to share that good news, you got to have someone running across the field and saying, let me tell you, God reigns in Christ. Jesus is Lord and that's good news. And how are they to preach? Unless they're sent. We sent a mission team to Cherokee. And part of the job that they have there is to, in some way, fashion, or form, proclaim the good news. But you know what? Every single week, once this service is over, you are sent into the world. You're sent into this community. And you have opportunities to be a part of that mission to make sure that people hear the good news, to have beautiful feet. 
<laughs> you guys know, those of you who've been around, you know that uh, as a musician, I really like rock music. And there's this guy that you may have heard of called Alice Cooper. Do you know he's like in his 70s now? Alice Cooper. He's considered to be the father of shop rock, right? Years ago, Alice Cooper became a Christian. Did you know that? Yeah, he became a Christian. His life was falling apart. His marriage was failing. He was an alcoholic, and he turned to Christ, and his life turned around. And now, yeah, he still is a musician who does his music, but he makes sure that his lyric, there are certain songs he will not do from his past because his life has changed. And even when he does it, he makes sure that people know this is all for show. What's really important is Christ. And there, I read an article by him recently, about him recently, that I was stunned by. He says, and I quote, I have talked to some big stars about this, about his faith, about Jesus. Some really horrific characters, and you'd be surprised. The ones that you would think that are the farthest gone are the ones that are the most apt to listen. The ones that you would think are the farthest gone are the ones that are the most apt to listen. I bet if back in the 80s or whenever it was that uh, Alice Cooper became a Christian, if you had looked at him, you would say, there's no way. No way he would come to Christ. But he did. There are probably people in your neighborhood, at your workplace, in your school, that you think, there's no way that person's coming to Christ. No way. The ones you would think are the farthest gone are the ones that are the most apt to listen. Are we willing to be a part of the process of sharing the good news and having that passage about beautiful feet apply to us? So your action point today is this. Be a part of the mission to spread the good news of Jesus. Be a part of the mission to spread the good news of Jesus. And if for some of you you're thinking, oh, this is another one of those evangelism sermons and I am terrible at this, I don't have the gift of evangelism, why does he talk about this? Can't we just get on to the next series and talk about how we get along with one another? I like that better. It's more comfortable. Guys, you may not have the gift of evangelism, but you can be a part of the mission to evangelize. Let me tell you just a couple of ways you can do that. If you can't do anything else, you can do the most powerful thing. You can pray. Pray that God would raise up people who would go into the world to tell the good news, that they wouldn't be ashamed, they wouldn't be afraid, that they would proclaim the good news with understanding and boldness. You can pray for your church that we would grow 
to be a church that learns how to be a part of this mission. You can pray for your neighbors, your co-workers, your fellow classmates. You can pray for your family members, that they would come to faith. You can pray for banks as he helps us to grow in this area. You could give. We always need, we always need resources in order to accomplish the mission. Even Jesus had to have someone with the money bag in order to carry out his mission. And the church is no different. So you can give. You can give to missions. You can give to missionaries. You can give to the church. You can give to specific uh, resources that will help get the word out. And if you can't do any of those things, which you should be able to do at least something on that list, you can share. You can share what God has done in your life. You're talking with one of your neighbors and they're talking about how their kids have just like... They're, they're, they're messing up at school. They're, they're, they're having to come home all the time because they're getting in trouble at school. And I just don't know what to do with them. It's, it's so frustrating to me because I, I want to see them really excel at school, but I really just don't, I don't know what to do. And you can say, yeah, I understand what that's like. And yeah, I mean, sometimes life is hard. And that's why I'm glad that when I don't know what to do, I have a Lord I can go to. And just that statement will maybe go, make them go, what? Huh? And then you can have an end to talk. I was watching the news the other day, and I'm just so tired of watching news. I just don't watch the news anymore because it's so depressing. The world is, just seems like it's going downhill so fast. And every time I turn on the news, it's just so it's awful, and I hate it. I understand what you mean. I hate it when I watch the news like that, too. It just seems like it's so full of bad news. Let me tell you the good news that encourages me to keep going. You see what I'm saying? Any conversation can be turned to share something about Christ if you're really willing to go there. But regardless of what you do, whether it's pray, give, share, or all three, or something that I haven't mentioned, we are to be a part of the mission to spread the good news of Jesus. We're all called to have beautiful feet. In my office, and I didn't bring it in here, I should have, but in my office there's, there sits a, a um, piece of artwork that my sister got for me. And I still have the card. When I became a pastor, she wrote me this card and gave me this thing. It has this passage on it from Romans. And she said, you know, Stuart, I grew up watch, looking at your feet, and your feet are really ugly. You do not have beautiful feet when it comes to what I see, but because you are focused on Jesus, because you are proclaiming the gospel, God thinks you have beautiful feet. I still keep that because it, it reminds me what's most important. Not my outward, 
but what I'm doing for Jesus. That's what's important. That's what it means to have beautiful feet. So, church, let's do our part to bring the good news of Jesus to the world around us. And let me pray for us that we'll be able to do that. Lord Jesus, you are Lord. And we, as your people, we want to submit to your lordship. We want to obey. Uh, Forgive us for how sometimes we're just afraid. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of what people may say of us. We're afraid of what may happen. Give us boldness. Sometimes we're just lazy. Forgive us. Sometimes we're just too comfortable in our lives. Forgive us. Sometimes we would just rather stay in our sinful state. Forgive us. Whatever it is that's keeping us from being a part of your mission to the world, by your Spirit, will you show us our sin? Will you cause us to be able to repent? Would you give us your energy and your power to say yes to what you have in store for us? And would you grow this church to be a church that whether it is in big ways or small ways, that we are all in some way, fashion, or form engaged in this mission to spread the good news that we all would have in some way, in your eyes, beautiful feet. And we pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.